Hey man, look at the sky. What is it? Is it a bird? No, it's definitely a plane. No, it's Superman. Uh, no, it's it's a dog. It's it's Super Dog. The Superman has a dog. In this episode of the Culture Quest podcast, we discuss our peak and pop moments in Tavern Talk. For the main discussion, we talk about DC Comics All Star Superman. Finally, we round out with Barrio's topic for next episode: classical music. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, but we totally get why Lois was disappointed when she had learned Superman was actually Clark Kent. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Bario. Hello. And I am Inona. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Uh, we start each episode with a little bit of tavern talk. Uh, cultured people, like ourselves know that there's nothing that indicates being cultured more than trying something new every once in a while. So here we go. Um, in this episode's Tavern Talk, we're going to do a round of pick and plop. Uh, we will go around the table. Each of us will bring up a pick moment and a plop moment from the past week or so. It can be something personal. It can be something that touches anything in the world. Barrio, would you uh, kick this off? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so pick and plop has been a, a long tradition in my life. And uh, it's, it's always nice to kind of, at the end of the week, stop and think um, about what happened. And, you know, it, it can be small things or, or big things, and, um, but it kind of gives you perspective, especially if you tend to do it from one week to another. So this week, um, well, um, I, I'm not sure when, when everyone is, is hearing this, and, and maybe we're all dead from the plague, right? But currently there's the, the corona outbreak. So plop of my week is that um, there was um, a holiday here in Israel uh, called Purim. It's kind of like uh, Halloween uh, where you put customs on and such. I, I have a couple of friends that work at, at Google's and, and they got me an invite to their Purim party, which is supposed to be very extravagant and, and interesting. And like about three hours before going out there, it got canceled due to the oh. corona yeah and uh, that kind of really sucked well do you know what was uh, supposed to be in the party that's the thing i'm not entirely sure but i i i'm i'm sure it's it was supposed to be just amazing you know like everything that google does is it's they got big budgets I, i've i've um, a couple of years ago i've been to their offices and it's just amazing everything is so so pretty and so creative and so special so they got like good good things going on there so i can only imagine what what they're going to do with uh for like a big party yeah yeah um so that was my plop but my uh pick for for this week was is actually also came from corona because i guess it's kind of it's kind of serious but i still i still didn't get too excited about it so yesterday uh, when we got an email from work that tells us that uh, from now on they request us to to work from home <laughs> in the upcoming weeks, <laughs> so I I don't know I I feel like I'm going on summer vacation right now. <laughs> I mean like working from <laughs> home is is something that I'm 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 always thinking like every every new week that starts I'm I'm thinking yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a work from home day this week. Yeah I I, I need the rest I need the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh so that's the bright side of things 
you think he'll be as effective from home or do you think he'll uh, stay in bed all day and uh, just answer emails from your phone? And <laughs> Well, because I'm not sure who's from my work is going to listen to this, then I will say that, yeah, I will definitely work and it would be the most effective work I've ever done. <laughs> But you know what? That, that's actually kind of the point because in my job, I get a lot of people that, that comes to me and ask questions. So I think that once there's this barrier that you actually have to, to call and do something that is a bit more active in order to get in touch with me, then I, I assume I'll, I'll have fewer meetings and I'll have fewer questions. And I kind of imagine it that I will have a lot of free time to work and actually get my stuff done. Because at the end of the day, I always get to, oh, I wanted to do this and that. And, and I just got stuck at meetings all day. Um, so I guess, um, so, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about it, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Cool. Peter, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? Uh, I'll give one of my fails. I was trying to think of a win, but it is not the best of times at the moment. Um, <laughs> just with this virus and stuff, it's just hard to be excited about too much because everything's being cancelled. So you still don't want to be prepared for everything you know and love to just be cancelled. So my personal disappointments of this week, um, boosted boards shut down. So boosted boards are a electric skateboard company. Many would say the electric skateboard company. So I know I have one of their boards, um, the, the small one, um, but they're, they're an American company, but they ship worldwide. Yeah. And they were, they were great. They were like the, electric skateboard to have like the best build quality uh probably the most expensive as well they always were charging kind of like a higher price for stuff so it was a premium product but um when they started um getting hit with the trump tariffs from the trade war with china they were sort of losing a bit of profit margins and then because most of their stuff is from china And then this coronavirus just, that was probably the last straw. Not many people were ordering them. So, um, well, they haven't gone under completely, but they've laid off lots of staff. It's just skeleton crew. So there's a chance they'll get bought out. There's a, there's a um, I guess we'll know probably by the time this drops, but either another skateboard company or like Elon Musk or something like that could buy them hmm. out. But um, yeah, so that's a bit of a loss. Like I didn't really, they're just a company, but it's... Um, They were like sort of the main, um, the main one. So, and I thought electric skateboards were going to become much more popular, but now that happened, I, I kind of feel like maybe it's just going to be scooters from now on. I'm looking at pictures of these skateboards. I can't imagine myself going on one of these because I can totally imagine how I'll break my teeth. You know, I'll, I'll just fall <laughs> within the first 10 minutes and, and I don't want to do that. I'm scared of these kind of things. What, do you use it to move around the city? Yeah, yeah, like cities, getting off and on trains, and then you just sort of do like the last few miles with um with the board. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, very portable. I guess that's uh, yeah. that's its main advantage. Yeah, I got I got the most portable ones, so it's really easy. Like if you're just going to the city or something, you can just like ride to the train station, go on the train, and then then you're there. So it's kind of like it's just awesome. But um, electric skateboards aren't dead, but this was a this was definitely a a blow. So, um, yeah, a bit unfortunate, but life goes on. Hopefully, um, other companies sort of step up and um, try to keep the business going. Uh, yeah. If, if that's your uh, lose moment, if that's your plop moment, you're, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have insurance 
for for it and that you you will lose yeah. now that they close well it would be difficult like if you needed spare parts and stuff like that people aren't really sure what they're going to do for me it's not a big deal it wasn't my main board anyway but um yeah i don't know i feel like at this point you, you just have to take the copper loss so take an l so cool okay so that's your plop moment well i'll say my peak moment is my new setup for the podcast so obviously with everyone working from home and stuff like that i thought i would kind of invest and get a nice keyboard and mouse and stuff like that so got a big mouse pad got a new keyboard got a mouse so this is like the new setup for the podcast and could be my home for the next two weeks if if the um outbreak reaches australia it's not It's not too bad where I am at the moment. Like, I think we have, I think it's double digits, but it's very low double digits cases. Mm. So, um, hmm. if it gets into triple digits, then we'll probably have to lock down and shut the schools. But just thought I'd be a little bit prepared for it just in case. Um, but also yeah. just a bit of a treat yourself moment. Um, new mechanical keyboards and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so, my peak and plop moments are... I might have gone too small. But uh, let's see. Um, my plop moment. I lost my sunglasses this week. Like, it's not the worst moment Aww. that you can have. But, the, yeah, I know. I know. You Thank said you, you lost your Thanks. son. And I was like, didn't know you had one. But that is definitely a personal <laughs> touching moment. And then you said glasses. And I sort of lost a bit of respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm one of those people who really suffer without sunglasses. You know, I can't be outside without sunglasses. And what makes this annoying is that, like, I used to have this perfect pair of sunglasses that I loved. I had them for, like, four years. And then, I don't know, around a year ago, they broke. And since then, I can't seem to be able to keep a pair of sunglasses, you know? Like, I don't, I'm not one of those people who always break or lose things. But in the last year or so i bought like eight pairs of sunglasses and after the second one i kind of noticed the pattern that i keep losing and breaking them so i i started buying really cheap pairs of sunglasses you know i, I didn't want to feel bad every time i'm losing them but i kept losing them so this last pair of sunglasses i bought one that's a bit more expensive and sturdy because the cheap ones really do just break and um i had it for almost two months and i i began to feel like really good about it like uh you know like i'm an adult again i can keep my sunglasses again and last weekend i went to a party and it it was supposed to be this afternoon roof party so i brought my sunglasses with me and there was a chance of rain so they changed it to be in a basement It ended up being a pretty good party, but like I didn't need my sunglasses with me, and I had them on me. And at first, I kept checking that I have them on me and that I'm not losing them. But at some point, I guess I just stopped looking after them, because when I got home that evening, I had no idea where they were. And obviously, it's not a big deal, but I was so disappointed with myself. And um, it was like a week ago, and I still haven't got a new pair, because like I, I, I just feel like I don't deserve it. And... Um, Again, just like I said with you, Peter, if this is my plop moment, I'm doing pretty fine. <laughs> yeah, I can feel you. <laughs> And my peak moment um, was that I finished listening to the Adventure Zone podcast, um, The Balance Arc, again. 
Uh, I think I told you that I listened to it once before, but you know, the, the Adventure Zone podcast, it's very popular, uh, D&D podcast, I'm sure it doesn't need a lot of introductions, but uh, it balances the first saga or an arc in their podcast. It's like the first 70 episodes. And I, you know, every once in a while, I go back and listen to something I've already listened to because like, you know, it's a, it's a sure bet. I know I'll like it. And um, maybe I can take more out of it than last time like you know the adventure zone it's it's like this big story and once you know what's going to happen you can look for details that hint at the story it's it's a lot of fun and um i listened to it again over the last month or so which was a lot of fun and uh, a few days ago i was um waiting for my train on my way to university it was a very lovely morning. The train station was empty. It was quiet. I knew I was just getting to the last episode of the of the arc. And um, the balance arc, if you don't know, it's made up of a few different adventures. Um, but in the last 10 episodes or so, they just tie up everything. It becomes this huge story. Like at first, when you listen to it, it sounds like a bunch of standalone adventures. But at the end, it just becomes this one big story which is, I think, is just amazing. Like, they tie up a lot of loose ends at the end. A lot of them, you just forget about them, you know, because you're listening to 60 episodes or spreading loose ends all over the place, but they close most of them. Like, uh, they really take care of everything. It's also just a beautiful, beautiful, touching story, you know, the end of it especially. And um, it's, it's funny because when you start listening to The Adventure Zone, it sounds like a dumb story, but it just ends up being this beautiful story. I think it's something that anyone who's interested in storytelling just has to take take the time to listen to it because it just um, you can learn a lot from it. And um, this moment, just waiting for my train um, in this nice weather, I just it felt like I was taking the morning to myself. I just stood there smiling to myself. I was enjoying the end of the story. And just the rest of the day was just a good day, you know? Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys should really give it a listen. It's it's just an amazing story. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I kind of like those um, podcasts that have, like, multiple episodes that you can sort of just set and forget, you know, put it on and just yeah. um, leave it go. Like, they're Definitely, almost becoming yeah. more, like, audiobooks and stuff like that. Yeah, I totally agree. So this uh, week we are talking about All-Star Superman. All-Star Superman is a series of comics, actually, but you can get it in a trade paperback, which is how I got it, but I think Inon has it in a two-part sort of trade paperback. with Yeah, two volumes, hardcovers, they're beautiful. Two volumes of six comics, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Exactly. Uh, and it was published between like late 2005 to 2008. So um, I would say one of the most popular Superman comics ever written just because it stands by itself. It doesn't need any other canon or any other um, any other understanding of Superman other than just, you know, he's from Krypton and he's has super strength and all the all the normal stuff you should know about Superman, you can go into this and just have a great time. So it, it goes in funny directions and weird directions, but it's sort of like a staple of the Superman collection. And lots of lots of hardcore Superman fans refer to this as their go-to Superman comic. And it is one that I read actually a few years ago. So when I was deciding to bring it to the podcast, I thought 
What's a comic that if I was to recommend someone read who has never read a comic before in their life, what would I recommend? And I think the answer is this comic because hmm. it it makes you feel part of the universe. It doesn't because I've read so many comics before that you sort of read and they continuously refer to other storylines and other other people in in different comics and stuff like that. But this one, it's all in this comic. It's cover to cover. That's all there is. So this is one I find myself recommending more often to people who are looking to get into the comic book game. Anyway, so to go over the plot um, in very uh, broad strokes, just to sort of start the conversation, um, All-Star Superman is... It's a comic where Superman is living his last days. So um, Lex Luthor has tricked him into poisoning himself with the sun's radiation. So he's been overexposed to what gives him power. And he has unfortunately learnt that this will eventually kill him. Um, So in an effort to wrap up the loose ends of his life, Superman has to uh, perform... 12 feats um, before he um, dies um, to basically set humanity off to um, fend for themselves. So part of doing that is also admitting how he feels to Lewis Lane, who is, what would you say, love interest of the story, and also defeat Lex Luthor, who um, obviously Lex Luthor's main aim in this story was to uh, see Superman die as Lex Luthor is also on the uh, death row. So there's sort of a uh, Lex Luthor is just trying to outlast Superman just so he can see his mortality. And then obviously uh, Lex decides that he should be the ruler of the earth. Um, and Superman has to stop that before he dies, obviously. Um and then there's some extra little bits like uh, Superman's travels into, um, what do we call it, Bizarro Land? Or yeah, exactly. Or Underverse. Underverse, Bizarro Tropolis, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, the, the Bizarro and... World is in the Underverse. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not a physicist. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very accurate, everything there. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's some, a storyline like that. There's also a storyline where Superman... Um, brings Lewis to the um, Fortress... How am I forgetting that? Fortress of Solitude. There we go. Fortress of Solitude. I was getting my (laughs) tongue mixed up. So, um, And then there's obviously the... um, When he returns from the uh, Underland... Underworld... Underland... Underland? Underverse. Underverse. We just said it. We just (laughs) said it. Okay. Anyway, um, after he returns from the Underverse, he has to fight... Well, initially, he fights Bar-El and Lilo from Krypton, who were also survivors of his planet. And um, eventually, he sort of... Instead of fighting them, he sort of persuades them and sends them back to the uh, Phantom Zone. That's where they put all the criminals, so... Hopefully, they'll be the police of the Phantom Zone. Th- that was ca- also kind of like a very weird turn of, of events. Like there... That was a very quick... We'll talk about that. Okay. But that was a very quick turn of events. <laughs> yeah, I was reading it, and then I was... What? Did I miss something? I went back and read it again. I- I'll explain why I think that was the case later. And then the last act is where All-Star Superman becomes literal, and he has to save the sun. But before saving the sun, he also... He sort of zooms into his own DNA sequence and 
replicates his DNA and also gives instructions for how to like recreate him. So that was sort of like the last thing that set humanity off. Like that was when you're teaching a kid to ride a bike, that's when you take your hands off and just trust them to go. So yeah. And then there's a small scene after where uh, Lewis says, oh, he's still alive. He'll come back when he's fixed the sun. So that's, that's like the main cliffhanger, but uh, There's always a way. There is, yeah. So, always a way to bring him back. So, uh, talking about this, what did uh, you guys think? What was your overall thoughts on the comic? I find it really interesting, first of all, that she said that she would recommend this book to newcomers to comic books. Because, like, I tried getting into comic books a few times when I was younger. Um, I think I read a few Batmans and a few Deadpools. Uh, but every time I kind of got into them, after a while I kind of had enough. You know, but this one kind of left me with a taste for more um, for the first time in comics. I, I finished it. I sat down with it and kind of looked at the, you know, a few chosen panels with drawings that I liked. And then when I put it down, I felt like I, I can go for another book. Uh, th- this is pretty nice. So I, I don't know if this is a great uh, story compared to other comic books, because like I said, it's the first one I really got into. But I, I, I kind of liked it. I think that it does require certain amount of previous knowledge about Superman. I mean, they, they like very briefly mentioned on, on the first issue, but like in, 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 in half a sentence, like Dying Planet, uh, Worried Parents, uh, yeah. Space. <laughs> I think it's four panels over one page, and that's the entire origin story of Superman. <laughs> Yeah, and and later on in other issues, you kind of well, you you're kind of being f- uh, faced with other concepts from the Superman story. Like there's the Justice League and the Flash and the Green Lantern, and like he talks about the bizarre world as and the bizarre Superman as as uh, as things that he, he already came across in the past. He talks about Brainiac and and the. Um, I forgot about the the city name that is like being that was shrunk and and kept in like this uh, glass. Candor, candor, yeah, exactly. So there are all kinds of um, previous knowledge that you need to to understand in order to to like fully experience uh, this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but what what I found nice that I I don't consider myself like very well known with with this Superman universe, but I did understand. I think I understood. All, all the references, so it wasn't like something very niche. It was kind of like in the in the main canon, I guess. Yeah, I really enjoyed two things from this. Um, first, that the different issues were very different. Like the stories, some of them were more childish, more were more romantic. Other were just you know for the action. It feels like it's. It's different writers, but I think it's the same one. I'm not. Yeah, same one. Same one. Yeah, but but it feels like different writers, which is which is nice. I mean, it does have this coherent vibe because uh, different issues reference each other. Like with the golden key, that uh, like you, in one issue, uh, yeah, he yeah. says that only he can lift it up because it weighs like seven thousand tons. Then uh, Lilo and uh, that other guy from. Why did you just leave it laying around? Yeah. <laughs> I found that hilarious. Yeah, yeah and uh, and I found it really cool that it was like in a in a. It had a couple of issues separating between between those two. It so it felt like a. A cool reference to the past uh, issue. It had a it had good a good uh, variety. And the second thing that I really enjoyed was just the drawing. Um, I'm I'm not 
really familiar with a lot of uh, comic book styles, but this one was, um, I don't know, it, it, it was fun for me. It wasn't very accurate a lot of times. I think that it gave the vibe that the author meant. Yeah, it was very expressive, but yeah. it also wasn't too detailed. Yeah. Like, that that's an in, that's an interesting sort of combo and i felt like for me the art was the best when you could see superman becoming more tired and more weary as the book went on because at the, obviously at the start he's nice and fresh and you get all the cool superman pictures when he's flying through the air and stuff like that but when he's only got a few um days left you can see like the sweat beads and his eyes are becoming red and mm-hmm. um he's just he's hunched over i feel like it really gave a good sort of vibe like it really made me feel like wow it just feels like he's had like a 10 hour shift or 14 hour shift and he's just hot but also sweaty and you know like just really tired that just like hadn't slept in days like just gave that vibe and it was like really emotional sort of how he drew it but um but at the same time he's not the most detailed artist like there's i've read a lot of um batman seems to get pretty good treatment for like detailed artists lately because i think jim lee is one of the artists for these comics um that batman's in but um i feel like this one was a little bit like around the edges it sort of was it was just enough to give you an idea like from panel to panel like it wasn't like oh wow look how exactly the same this looks like it was just nothing to do with that so yeah it was all just style and bravado and it wasn't to do with like true to life like how things should look or anything like that i totally agree like i think like i didn't like it the first time i looked at it but by the second book i think i felt like there's a lot of personality in the faces of the characters and there's a lot of feelings evoked by by how everything is drawn even though it's not too detailed you know and then i don't know i just couldn't take my eyes off of it I kind of had to slow myself down to enjoy everything. And I think that my favorite panels were the one where, you know, Clark Kent is tripping or dropping something and causing a mess. <laughs> Those are also my favorite. They were great. Just amazing. I like, did you did you notice the one where um, Lex was about to electrocute himself and Clark sort of trips like strategically to save him so he's like saved his life yeah there's a lot of those ones like in the prison fight where he's accidentally fighting people and also tripping over <laughs> there's a lot of those ones which i thought were quite quite funny yeah do you know what i really love the attention to details the the first book like i think it's the second or third page the book starts with superman saving the first manned mission to to the sun led by leo quintum and, um, you know, the story is unfolding. We see that on Earth, Lois is preparing a story that says that Superman was successful, even though it didn't happen yet. And she says that she always prepares ahead, assuming that Superman will save the day. And as this conversation is happening, there's a panel that focuses on Lois' screen. Um, and you can see the sentence that she just wrote. It says, Superman saves first man sun mission. Um, philanthropist Leo Quintum, uh, who set out to map the sun, uh, dot, dot, dot. And the word quintum is underlined with that red squiggly line that means it's a typo. Hmm. They, they didn't miss that detail. Like, it's it's amazing. It's barely noticeable, but it's a, it's just a lovely touch. That's cool. cool. I, I didn't notice it. Yeah, I, I'll admit, that was, it's a little bit faint for me. So I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. 
Did anyone have a favorite? We'll call, uh, we'll say chapter. I really like the one with the 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 Superman from the future. You know, or some of them were from the past. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the one where there's uh there's Superman's dog. I think comes over. Crypto. Crypto. Yeah. Crypto. Thank you. <laughs> like it's it's kind of fun. It starts kind of um kind of small. You know, they're in the in the farm, and I think it, I think in this episode or this story they're young like he's still hanging out in uh smallville i think a few supermen from the future come over and help him fight this monster and this is the one where his dad dies and um hmm. you later find out that one of the supermen from the the future is just the regular superman we've been following all along and he got to have this last moment with his dad I, yeah that I really was quite it. nice actually yeah that was a good one yeah I think it's uh, it's the one that closes the first book. I have a favorite, but I also have a least favorite. So, because um, I I remember these two from the first time I read it, like a few years ago, and the, my favorite one is the second chapter with um, Clark or Superman and Lewis, yeah. where they go to the Fortress of Solitude, and there's there's a plot where Lewis like thinks, um, you know. It, he's not really Clark, like yeah. Clark and Superman. Like he's been trying to tell her, but he just she just doesn't believe him. And then she has the sort of this paranoia where she thinks like she's going to get like kidnapped or like something like that. Yeah. So yeah, and she actually wants to kill, and she and she would have <laughs> actually killed him. That's <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, about I know. <laughs> yeah, that escalated quickly. It's classic <laughs> Superman you get shot by with that. Um, kryptonite gun or was it the anti-gravity gun i don't know i think it's the kryptonite one it was the kryptonite she she shot him in the chest and he also didn't he was like that's a weird way of finding out that i'm immune to, to uh, kryptonite <laughs> it tickles uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh yeah that was a crazy escalation but also like there was a second bit where they also she got the 24 hours of super serum and then yeah. um they went and saw um what was her names? Samson and, and Atlas. Ah, uh, yes. Um, oh, they were like such pricks as well because they were trying <laughs> yeah. to like steal, <laughs> steal Superman's girl. And then Superman obviously comes out ahead, but yeah. um, there was just a lot of like buffoonery and sort of classic guy stuff where they're trying to like win her over and stuff like that. So yeah, that was that was probably my favorite because it was like a real playful. Really light-hearted, sort of... A bit chauvinist. <laughs> in that chapter, they're kind of um, hinting at what's going to come in the next chapters, uh, which I really liked. They, um, uh, when they're in the Fortress of Solitude, they're talking to the future Superman, you know, the, f- the Superman from the future, uh, which yeah, yeah. At, at that time, you don't know who that is, but then he appears later. And also, um, hmm. Samson brings a newspaper from the future and tells Superman about his 12 feats uh, that he has to do. And like... I really think this is a good episode. It's a good story because, like, it it kind of kicks things off, you know. Yeah, it was a kickoff um, sort of point, and like you also got like all the sort of fanboy moments when they're going through the fortress, like, oh, you know, this is my pet sun eater and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of like, oh, of course, sort of moments, you know. Yeah. So, like, it's amazing how it all comes together. Like, you just don't see the same coordination in tv shows or movies like because comics they think about every single panel yeah you know so like there's they were doing a heavy lift when they were bringing in so much of the plot in that second half of this of this chapter with um atlas and the the seven feats and then seeing the future and stuff like that like they were doing a lot of 
plot work in such a cruisy sort of comic. I it was totally pretty agree. incredible. Yeah. So that was my favorite one. My least favorite was... Can I guess? Yeah, yeah, sure. If I had to guess, I think it would be the Bizarro one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Only because <laughs> the, the art wasn't like super interesting on that one i thought oh. like it just felt a little bit like dilapidated which is well of course what it's meant to look like like in a way that's almost a compliment but it just uh like reading yeah the reading um, confused stuff <laughs> the reading was terrible because um like i just sounded like a crazy person in my head when i was reading it um so that was annoying and then um obviously like i said like the art was a little bit you know all over the place deliberately, but yeah, that one, that one I do remember from a few years ago as being like, oh, that chapter, like the the weird people in yeah. that under, under, yeah. underverse. No so, M um, sound like normal person. Uh. <laughs> and then the solution was just to like say, oh, I want to stay here forever. And he's and they're like, get this gun out of here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Barry, do you have a favorite or favorite part of the story? Uh, I think I'm with you regarding the uh, the Bizarro World um, issue. It was just... Um, just less fun. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I, I kept asking myself, like, what? <laughs> you keep trying to negate everything in your head in order to, to kind of keep track and uh, yeah the negations weren't like proper negations because they would negate the negations and i was trying to like um figure out like how many double negatives there are and think <laughs> like how like do they just i just don't think they care if there's a double negative or anything like that i just <laughs> think they want you to say not a lot like it's just you just say i won't not do nothing and it's like it's just like gold yeah. for them so <laughs> i don't understand it either but uh yeah. yeah, Superman obviously. Superman had that speech at the end where he like did it, and, <laughs> and then Zabara was like, mm, "I hate to see you like this. <laughs> Don't stoop to their level." <laughs> um, so that definitely was my least favorite. I'm um, well, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take with the last issue because when I read it, I realized I heard about it somewhere where Lex Luthor realizes what drives Superman because he understand that everything is one. Lex Luthor, the, the the villain that we saw throughout the issues as just a asshole. Um <laughs> just he goes through enlightenment. <laughs> and and that was I don't know, that was really nice. And and he got to enlightenment because he experienced firsthand what Superman experienced. He took super all the time. serum something, right? Like he he got Superman's powers for twenty four hours or something. He made his own, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the guard, <laughs> his guards thought he was just making a cocktail, but <laughs> apparently he engineered uh, uh, a super cocktail from you know house ingredients, and uh, um, I like that. Yeah, you know these stories are fairly short, like twelve mini books, each is like twenty to twenty four pages. Like it sometimes feels like each of these adventures could have been a full-length movie, or maybe not a full-length movie, but like a thirty-minute episode. Yeah. Just give it some a, a bit more background and I don't know character development, and you know just take your time telling the story. I guess like in these books, it, it takes just a lot of work to create each and every one, so they kind of squish the stories into twenty-four pages because drawing all of it must be an unimaginable amount of work. I think there's um an animated movie of the All-Star Superman? Mm. Yeah, they made one, I think in 2011. They take like comic books and make animated movies that are about an hour long, hour and a half sometimes, and they um, 
like they stay really true to the style of the drawings and everything. And it's really fun because like it feels like they actually took the book and gave it life. I've seen quite a few of these sort of like adaptions to uh, movies or animated movies and stuff. And usually they're pretty good. Like the best one I saw was the Dark Knight Returns part one and part two. That was yeah, like the yeah, best. I loved it. Um, I haven't seen this one. I was I was looking for it a few years ago, but I couldn't find it from my local store. But um, I'll probably look for it again because I think this one is like it does stay pretty true to the book, but I don't think they include the Bizarro chapter. Mm. I think they skip over it because they just want it. They said it was like, if we're going to make it an hour, you can actually cut that out and it doesn't affect the story too much. So, mm. yeah. Okay. I think this is a good way to summarize the faults in the book. Like the way to think about it is each of these um, comics came out probably monthly. I'm just trying to think about how many. It came over like over a few years. So it would have been, no, it would have been more than monthly. It would have been like yeah. every two months. Yeah, two months. Um, comes out bi-monthly. And if you think about it, eight weeks between comics and you just get to read 20 pages, people who were living through that time where they just like picked it up every two months, they sort of you sort of want to get a whole story, you know? Like, if there's, like, if you compare this to, like, a the normal, like, the batch, not batch produced, but, like, the new series that are coming out now, which come out weekly or every two weeks, that's different, you know? You can sort of have a few more cliffhangers. You can go in depth a little bit more and stuff. But if it's coming out every eight weeks, you still want to have some resolution and you sort of want to, make everything unique you don't want to have like two in a row that sort of just seem like repeated so i think that explains why it's so unique it explains why um everything comes together quite well like they had a lot of time to plan it like they could change their mind between issues where you probably couldn't do that you'd have to um it would be like us recording a podcast once a year like (laughs) we would have so much time to refine it and stuff like that like these people had two months so they they could change, they could take out panels and stuff like that. So that's what makes it so unique and so um, uh, so well-paced as well. Like it just, yeah. um, like if, if there's a gun in the first scene, it'll go off in the second scene, that kind of stuff. But um, then it's cons, like it's, its problems also stem from that same fact that it's only coming out every two months is that um, sometimes I think they just went for a little bit too much in one comic and then they just had to wrap it up. They just said, look, we have three pages left. We're going to have to, like, solve everything. And I think that comes up in the chapter after the Bizarro chapter where they solve that sort of um, Lilo and what was it? Bile? Boyle? Bar-el. Bar-el. Oh, yeah, Bile. Um, like, it just, that to me, like, when, when I read it, I'm like, oh, it's a weird way to finish it. But I think it's because um, they just... They they added in two more characters in in this comic in that that one comic, and they had to sort of make them go through a full transformation from being the bad people to recognizing Superman and saying, oh, "Wow, you you know you um, helped us, even though we were the bad people and stuff like that." It just seemed very rushed, and it makes sense if you think about the fact that they were just trying to do something for that that two month period, you know. So I think that's that's the problem with that comic, and it's also the same with um, I think the last the last one, like how they wrapped everything up. I felt like things were happening really quickly, and it was a little bit like 
you just had to like stop and think about what was happening because it wasn't yeah, super obvious. You kind of had to fill the gaps yourselves. Yeah, there was a lot of filling the gaps. So, which is it like which is why they got to cover so much stuff in this book. Like it honestly doesn't feel like we only read 12 comics. It feels like we read read way more, but the trade-off is that you have to sort of piece together. You have to join the dots, so. Yeah. Um, can I talk about the cover of the first book? Yeah, cool. The one that is sitting on a cloud overlooking the city and kind of, uh, yes. you know, looking over your shoulder, looking totally relaxed and content, kind of. On mine, I've got a slightly different cover for the whole series, but for mm-hmm. I've, I'm looking at the cover and that's really quite a nice cover. Before I even started reading the, the books, I kind of, I, I, I sat and looked at the cover for a while and something didn't click for me. And then I thought, like, usually you get the the hero of the story or the in in kind of a heroic pose and here he's just sitting leaning on his knees looking totally relaxed it, i found it funny and then i found out that grant morrison the guy who wrote the books um he's he talked about this one time he was in san diego comic-con talking with a friend about you know kind of new things that they can do with the character of superman and they saw this guy cosplaying as superman in a pose like the one you see on the cover and, you know, he kind of realized that Superman would be relaxed, would be content because, like, he's he's powerful and in control and he's been through a lot and he came out of it on top every time. He would be relaxed. He would like to just look over the city. And that's a very interesting take. Like, uh, I wouldn't expect something like that from a lot of comic books. And I really love how he was influenced by, by a cosplayer, you know, how real life kind of dipped into this this book in a way. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And like I read something where Grant Morrison, the again, the writer, he said the most important thing to him with this book is to not make it a reboot, you know, like not scrap everything that came uh, up until now and start again. His attitude was to include and transcend instead of reboot, you know? Like take everything that came up until now and build on top of that. And I I'm, I'm sure long-time readers would appreciate that a lot more than I did, but, like, I, I think it's it's a really cool attitude to do stuff like that. Like, I don't see what's included uh, from from Superman's history and what's new, but it's pretty cool. Like, I read a review that, that said that the original Superman logo makes an appearance and that um, the character, the, the, the design in this book is kind of inspired by the Golden Age design of Superman. And it's it's pretty cool, all of these kinds of, you know, nods to the past. But to me, it went over my head, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty fond of um, movies and books and stuff that just get on with it, like get into it really quickly. Like, um, I think that's like the hardest thing for me to deal with is when I'm like going into like a book or like a comic or something like that. And it's just slowly explaining the world. Like this one, for better or worse, just chucks you into the world and said, that's how it is, yeah. and um, I think people should do that more often. That's like it's it's like giving the reader sort of creative license to just fill in the gaps, you know. So trusting them to sort of do the imagination um, work themselves. So because you sort of imagine like because in this book, Superman's a veteran; he's already done all the Justice League stuff, and you sort of just have to create in your head like what kind of guy or what kind of um, mission Superman's done. Like, you can tell he's a veteran. Like, you think he must have saved this city hundreds of times and all the people in the city are so used to seeing him. Like, they're like, oh, there goes Superman again. And it's not 
it's not like a new character in town, you know? So I kind of, I really appreciate the fact that they just threw you in. This is basically the end of Superman. It is, yeah. Like, you know, every superhero gets a few kind of uh, reiterations of their origin stories, I think. I don't know. Uh, like, they, they, the, this book is open-ended, you know? They, they leave a door open for him coming back in this universe. But how many times do you get to see the end of a superhero's life? Well, traditionally not too often, but sometimes I, it's, a, it's a common trope of um, comics that, like, characters just never die. As, as soon as you say mm. a character dies, they'll figure out a way, like the universe will change and stuff like that to bring them back. So, um, yeah, I'll try not to give away too many spoilers or anything for anything else. But, like, there's been many times, like, there's even a comic called The Death of Superman. <laughs> Batman's died many times in comics and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty, it's it's I think it's pretty common in comics, but movies less so because... Movies have shareholders, so. <laughs> <laughs> and also is not, well, I think I think the last uh, the last page actually you can see him in the sun or something holding like this lever. Yeah, he's sort of working all the parts and stuff. So I guess the mission, if you're a optimist, is that he'll eventually just automate it and stuff like that. Maybe he'll learn how to code or something. <laughs> it's not that he died in the book, but I, I don't remember what happened, but something damaged the sun. And he's the only one that can work it now. So he has the to leave. The sun tyrant has poisoned the sun. Yeah, Solaris or whatever his name was. Yeah. And there was also this reference that uh, he's going to uh, become an ally of mankind or something like that. Yeah, did you, you're right. Did you understand that? No, not exactly. I read something about that. Like he didn't kill Solaris and didn't destroy his body because I don't remember. Maybe future Superman told him that one day Solaris will come back as an ally. You're right. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. But he sort of did destroy him, but not completely. Yeah, he left the door open for his return. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all want. <laughs> <laughs> he punched him and you can see his like, blue heart dangling from outside his body, I think. That's actually weird that you bring that up. Like, They didn't really solve that. We could be wrong, but like, they were sort of like, yeah, you'll be an ally eventually. And they were like, okay, like... <laughs> All right, like no. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> and in the part where Solaris was eaten by the Sanitor, and then he bursts out and kills the Sanitor, that was a cool, cool bit of the story. Uh, I think it was over three panels, three amazingly drawn panels. Um, so, Peter, would you would you like to be Superman? Um, this one makes his job seem really hard. Like it just just feels like he has so much responsibility. Uh, I, I, hmm. I guess if Lex Luthor can be enlightened, then I would definitely be enlightened. So I'll say yes. It's a good answer. Yeah. What about you, Barrio? Um, Lewis seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she only had it for a day. We're talking about the the full the full job here. Yeah. True. True. Ah, you know, we didn't mention it, but it didn't didn't you find it amusing that every time you see Clark Kent in the comic, he's like. He's like fat. Yeah. <laughs> he has this huge <laughs> neck, and which is clearly not the same as Superman's. Well, he's sort of like, it's almost like he's tensing when he's Superman, and then when he's Clark, he's like, oh, okay, oh. now I can relax. Like, <laughs> doesn't do his morning sit-ups or something. So, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just he's like, partially his posture, and then... 
I don't know. Maybe maybe he does t- like sort of not tense, but do like the opposite where he tries to make himself like feel like bloated or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. But in the in this comic, he kind of well is also trying to convince Lois that they're the same person and they're not so different and. She's really disappointed by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I can also understand, you know, I always thought it was so, um, well, it, it's a bit childish to assume that because he wears glasses, then no one recognizes that Clark Kent is Superman. I thought it was really silly. But I think that was... I always, thought this... it was, I always liked that bit. Yeah, you did? I don't know. It, it kind of felt like, dude, those are just glasses. I mean, I c- it's like you will see me if I will hi- hide behind a tree. All right. Here's, here's, here's the theory, though. The reason why you only has to have glasses is because no one could believe he could be Superman. That, the thing isn't, he's not trying to seem like he, he, he's not Superman. He just needs to be like a little bit different. People are like, no, you're not Superman. He's like, no, 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 I really am. It's like, no, no, you look completely different. And they sort of make it up. <laughs> You know, like that's the thing about <laughs> Superman. It's so unbelievable. Like, whereas with Batman, people are like, is that guy Batman? Is that guy Batman? That's like a 13 year old girl. <laughs> nah, it could be Batman. You know, like, it's just <laughs> everyone's looking for Batman. But Superman's like, you wouldn't believe him if you saw him. So he sort of doesn't have to do too much. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. But, but and you know, yeah. that that's, that's, I think, what I understood from this comic. Like, it was first time ever that I finally understood why people wouldn't believe Clark Kent will be Superman because he's so clumsy and he's so he's such a loser. <laughs> I mean I mean everyone tells that he writes amazingly but but like everyone really disrespects him. Not only Lex Luthor or, or that uh, bulky guy that keeps um, harassing him yeah. <laughs> but also like everyone Lois Lane uh, Jimmy well Jimmy knows he's Superman right? Um, I don't know. Everyone thinks he sucks, <laughs> so that's yeah, why they the can't believe. The difference between Clark Kent and Superman is more than just a visual difference. Mm. It's it's the person. It's how he's acting. How he's composed. It's just such a big difference that the the visuals. The, the doesn't matter. He could drop the glasses, and people would not believe he's Superman. Yeah, mm. there's this point where uh, in the last issue where he actually where where he dies, and then comes back to life uh, <laughs> he shoots with the gravity gun at Lex and and then I think he's without his glasses and then everyone finally realizes that it was just Superman pretending to be Clark Kent but Clark yeah. Kent is in in a safe in a safe place and everything is okay yeah exactly yeah, in, in that in that panel where he's like uh, Lex is like oh what's that behind your back and he's like oh you know gravity gun like um it's it's a bit more dramatic than that but um in in that panel, you can see his hair is different, and he's still wearing the glasses in that panel, but he's got like a defined jaw. So it's like he sort of he sort of already looks like Superman in that panel, and then his glasses come off, and people realize. But that's like an interesting panel. From that's that's why I kind of have that belief that he's just sort of hunching over and like trying to emphasize a double chin and stuff like that. Then as soon as he needed to go into action suddenly he looks like much fitter than he was before and like his hair looks like like cool and you know he just looks like more compared to what he was like a few panels ago well, of course so he was dead so yeah. a bit, bit rude, but, um, <laughs> so that's an improvement <laughs> but yeah it just you know it just looks like a different person just as soon as he springs into action so yeah. but um also 
Superman's not like super fit. Like if you look at like Henry Cavill and stuff like that, who's like just bodybuilder level fit. Like in this one, like even if you look at like the front cover and stuff like that, he's got like he's obviously got muscles and stuff like that, but he's not like super lean. Like he's not like not like a visible six pack and no, he's just massive. He's just yeah, he's just massive. So I don't know. I kind of like that. Not just because I'm putting on weight, but uh, he does. um, I don't know. He's just like a big guy. Like it's not like he's not obviously. Like going to the gym and thinking like, oh, gotta do these like sit ups and stuff. Like he's just like, <laughs> it's just like it's like farm fit, you know. Like he he looks like yeah. a farm boy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. I also kept thinking about it whenever I saw the cover because the cover always show him like in a in a very um, wide picture. You can really see that his hands are really muscular. But yeah. his his uh, but his actual picking body, up all those suns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but he's not. Yeah, he's 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 bulky. Yeah, not like Lex Luthor is sort of like fit and lean and you know veiny and stuff like that. But Superman's not veiny. He's just like a rig. In some of the more modern Supermans, he does look like really veiny and ripped and like like a bodybuilder. But I kind of prefer him like this. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. I think what you said is a. Uh, he has a the structure of a of a farm boy, which is, he actually is. So that yeah. that's fitting. Peter, let me ask you a question. I think you've read more comic books than either of us here. Um, have you ever read a comic book that you couldn't get through because of the style of the drawing or or anything like that? Hmm. Um. There's a few. Um, I, I, okay, I've got through everyone, but. Um, I'm just looking at one now in my bookshelf that I don't particularly like the look of. Um, I'll get up. It's called Batman Year One. But the thing is, the oh, story... Oh, yeah, I read that one. You've read that one? Originally, I, I, I read it, but I really hated the artwork. It just looks so boring. But then, like, a few years later, I went back to it, and now I sort of like it. So that's pretty much the closest I was from being, like, it really turned me off. But then, I don't know, I sort of like it. Like, I've read a few since then which have the same sort of old-timey, like, 19, 1970s sort of drawings yeah. and stuff like that where it's all just, like, just penciled in and basic yeah, colors exactly. and stuff. But I don't know. Like, in a weird way, like, I've sort of changed how I think about, like, art. Like, um, before I sort of liked all the most detailed, like, most like colorful like most um anything with like more sort of layers of detail i like and i still like that but what i've kind of become more appreciative of is sort of like different more abstract and more sort of simple art as well so like there's a lot of older stories i have like some of the old flash stories by mark wade um they sort of have like this really simple sort of country bumpkin sort of like really old comic book art and i sort of never liked it but then i sort of started to like it a bit more so to answer your question like i've never really been turned off by art before but um i'm slowly broadening my palette of what i actually like so before i only really liked a small amount but it's now i'm sort of branching out a bit hopefully this is now last comic book maybe um maybe we'll do some other stuff, maybe we'll do a Marvel or like an independent or something like that eventually. Yeah, so. definitely. 
Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing something, nice. uh, some independent comic would be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of interesting ones um, actually in the, that have come out in the last few years. So um, sort of like a, a lot of them will be coming out in trade paperbacks, which is like sort of like how you get like the collection of of them all yeah. in in physical copies. So there's a lot coming out, and um, they continuously get better and better. Uh, thanks, guys, for um, participating and. Um, reading All-Star Superman this week. So um, it's one of those things that I brought back uh, into my life from back when I was in uni. I sort of had more time to read comics. So this was um, this was hopefully the start of sort of a new new hobby for me, reading, reading these comics. So I'll probably read a few more ones I have at home and then I'll probably start um, buying a few more. So especially now with the quarantines, um, from coronavirus <laughs> probably have a lot more time to read so um yeah so i'm glad that we all sort of got something out of it and um as i said it's this is one i like to recommend so um it's nice to sort of talk about it with people that haven't read it before and uh hopefully um sort of there's a bit of a renaissance and you know we get a discussion going and um see what other people think so um mm-hmm. yeah thanks again guys yeah, thank you good call i'm totally up for another comic book one day awesome Um, next episode, we're going to be trying something a little different. We, we say that every episode, but... <laughs> we're trying to do different things, so... Yeah. yeah. Yep. Culture quest. Um, so, Barrio, what's the next step in our quest? Um, okay, so as long as I can remember, my mother have always been listening to um, to classical music. Like, classical music is playing at my parents' house all the time. Um, and it's always been like background music for me. And she really fell in love with it when she was younger. Uh, she grew up with her with her grandparents, and especially her grandfather uh, listened to to classical music, and she got it from him. And I never, like, I like classical music, but I never really got um, too in depth with it. Um, so I had a talk with her about it, and I asked her to to uh, compile like five of her favorite symphonies. And I thought to bring it here to our party of uh, culture questers. Well, we had a couple of um, talks about certain albums, um, but it was like this whole piece from a single artist. And here we're going to tackle like five different symphonies from five different composers. I'm sure each of them brings a completely different story uh, into what is now considered a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hear Brahms' third symphony. We're going to listen to um, the Bojak, Dvor- Dvorak. Uh, How do you say it in English? Yeah, I never know. It's either Dvorak or Dvorak. I'm not sure. Yeah, so so uh, <laughs> so the new, new world symphony of, uh, let's say, Dvorak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to listen to Mahler's first symphony, to Beethoven's fifth, and to Sibelius' second. We'll put them in the show notes, so... Yeah, yeah, definitely. The list will be in the show notes. The list will be on our website. I think we've decided to do five different... Like, like you know, each one of these is supposed to be kind of a masterpiece. And, like, there must be a lot to say about this. But we're not experts in, in classical music. Yeah. So, we, so Yeah, yet. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so we thought we might not have too much to say about each one of those. So we chose to talk about 
five. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you get one of those platters with a few meats and exactly. different cheeses and stuff like that. This is like classics week at the Culture Quest. Yeah, so. with exactly. five classical cheeses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like when we do a movie, I try to get deep as as much as I can, but I don't know how to do it with classical music. So I think we'll just talk about each of our experience listening to it, like um, the, the feelings that it evoked and stuff like that, you know? I, I really like classical music. I know Dvorak's New World Symphony and I know Beethoven's Fifth. Like Beethoven is the one I've listened to the most. I know like five of his symphonies and a few sonatas. I know them fairly well. Something interesting I can tell you about the Fifth Symphony is this. Um, you guys, you know the Fifth Symphony, how it starts, right? Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this motive of the, the, the rhythm, the da-da-da-da, it repeats almost throughout the entire symphony. Like, maybe not the same notes, but the entire symphony has this motive. So um, try to notice it. It makes it kind of fun. The third chapter of the fifth symphony starts like, it's the same exact uh, rhythmic motive. I'm really excited about this. Like, I, I really want to get into this. Yeah, I think it will awesome. be Can't interesting. Wait. Uh, cool. So thank you, Peter. And thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See you. See ya. Hey, this is Josh with All the People You Should Know. Wait until you hear what critics are saying about this amazing history podcast. Well, critics haven't said anything about it yet, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a try. Each week, I rummage through human history to bring you the most important and interesting people you've probably never heard of. Check us out. Generally, released on Monday. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of the other places that you get your audio. Thanks. Thanks.